So hey, if you were here last week, um, that was awesome. If you weren't, let me tell you about what we talked about real quick, a real quick recap of what we talked about last week. We kicked off our Dirty Laundry series, and if you were here, um, then we were, uh, so what we did is we basically, we talked about the dirty laundry in our lives, and, and because we all, every single one of us, we all have sin. We all have mess-ups. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things that we're not so proud of. And the Bible tells us in Romans, it says that all have sinned. It means that every single one of us, we've all sinned. We've all messed up. And the biggest problem so many of us face is just like dirty laundry, we try to hide it. We try to hide our sin because we don't want anybody to know about it. But the truth that we discovered last week and the main thing that we talked about last week is that the dirty laundry we hide, God will expose. But the dirty laundry we expose, God will clean. And so that's, that's what I love about our God, that he's in the business of making dirty things clean. But in order to get over sin, we've got to address it. <clears throat> we've got to address it. We have to address sin. So, and we do that by the first thing is what we talked about. We, talk, we do that by telling God. And the second thing was we do that by telling others, by talking to someone, by and confessing to God and talking to others. Um, but what happens is when, when, what happens though in our lives, so maybe we do this and maybe we take these steps and maybe we do these things to confess to God or to confess to someone else. But what happens when the sin creeps back in? Because how many know that the temptation will come and it will try to sneak back in? So what happens when that sneaks back in? What happens when we make another mistake? What happens when we mess up again? And what happens when we're, we're trying so hard to keep things clean, but it just seems like I keep getting dirty? What happens? What happens there? And so let's just, let's just make it simple. What happens when you continue to sin? What happens there? So... Um, I want to tell you this, it, my, my brother-in-law, who is one of my best friends, awesome guy, but it never, ever, ever fails anytime we go out to eat, almost, I would say every single time, he gets food on his shirt. Anybody else like that? Like you go to take a bite, it's like you have a hole in your, in your lip or something, like he always, every single time we go out, like he gets stains on the front of his shirt. It never fails. Like he drops some kind of food on his shirt every single time. There was, there was one time though, I don't know if you remember this, Kristen, there was one time where we went out to eat and he successfully went through a whole meal and didn't spill uh, food on his shirt. And then we went to a park afterwards to just kind of hang out. A bird pooped on the back of his shirt. Yep, that's what happened. And so, um, yeah, but I had a friend like that who, who was when I was in college, and he was just like that too. Every time he would, uh, he, he would, uh, we would go out to eat, he would do one of two things. He always would wear a shirt under his shirt, like an undershirt. And so when we would go into a restaurant and eat, he would take his shirt off. I'm like, Dude, that's the weirdest thing. Stop doing that. And he's like, what, man? I always get, I always get food on my shirt. And I was like, quit being a sloppy eater. Like, take your time. And he was like, no. So he would take his shirt off so he'd get the, the food on his undershirt. Or he would carry a spare shirt in his car at all times. So he knew, because he knew it was going to get filthy and uh, spill something on it. But, you know, a stain on a shirt, it's an annoying thing. Like, and no one 
if you get a stain on your shirt, no one wants to just continue to keep wearing it around. It's embarrassing, and it's the same, the same thing is true with mistakes that we make in our lives. It, it's kind of embarrassing, actually. And if I could be a little bit vulnerable with you guys tonight, there have been many times in my life where I've made mistakes, where I've repeated some mistakes or some sins over and over and over again. And, and what keeps happening in those situations is I, I feel embarrassment and I feel shame. And guilt starts to take over. Has anybody ever felt guilt or shame? This, this means yes or yeah, like you can raise your hand, yeah. And I believe that it, it's guilt and shame in our lives. What, what we do is that guilt and that shame in our lives begins to separate us, begins to put distance between us and our relationship with God. But here's what we, we do. We convince ourselves of two things. We first we say, well, God's mad at us, or God doesn't care. And the second thing that we kind of convince ourselves of when we continue to mess up and continue to make, make mistakes is that God doesn't want me now, that God doesn't care. <clears throat> but tonight, I want you to realize this, and I want you to get this into your heart, and I want you to get this into your mind, is that God is not mad at you. Everyone in this room, God is not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. And he wants you more than anything in this world. And here's what I want you to uh, here's what I want you to do. If you're writing notes, if you're taking writing things down, I want you to, to, to replace every you in there with me. Say, God's not mad at me. He's in love with me. And he wants me more than anything in this world. <clears throat> so tonight, if you got your Bible, we're gonna look in the book of John. And I'm gonna read actually a pretty good chunk of scripture, and I just want you to bear with me because uh, I want you to hear this story, and, and it's, uh, it, it's, I just want you to catch what's happening, what's taking place in this story, and it's, uh, if you got your Bible, we're in John 18, we're going to start in verse 15, but I want you to catch this tonight because, like I said, it's a pretty good chunk of scripture, but I want you to hear what's going on, and here's what I want you to do. If you're sitting next to someone and they're not paying attention, like, you give them a big elbow or something like that, but like, Here's, how, here, here's what it says, John 18, verse 15. It says this, it says, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. And since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door, so the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you are also not one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. <clears throat> now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Why do you ask, ask those who have heard me what I said to them? They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? And Jesus answered, answered him, If what I said was wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But what if, I said, if, but if what I said is right, why do you strike me? 
Ananias then sent him bound to Caiaphas to the high priest. A couple more verses. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, and, and here's kind of what we're focusing on is, is Peter in, in, in this verse. And so uh, Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, aren't you also one of his disciples? Well, I read that wrong. But basically that's what they're saying. And he denied it. And he said, I am not. And one of the, the servants of the high priest, a, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, he said, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it. And once again, a rooster crowed. Here is Peter, one of Jesus's very best friends, one of his closest friends, one of his closest people that he was with all the time. This guy, Peter, said, he said, I will die for you, Jesus. I will die for you. The guy, he, he said, I'll never leave you, Jesus. I'll never leave your side. And in a moment of weakness, he messed up. And he didn't just mess up one time. He messed up three times. And he, and, and he stood there while Jesus was arrested and taken and beaten. And people were like, hey, aren't you one of his friends? Aren't you one of his followers? He's like, no, 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 I don't even know that guy. And then in, in other versions of the Bible, it says he got so mad, he was like cussing, mad, saying, no, 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 I don't know this guy. Beep. I don't know however that works. But he, he, was, he, he, was, he was mad. He's like, no, he was making a, a scene of it. Like, I don't know this guy. But he was one of Jesus' closest friends. And he said he would never leave Jesus. He said he would die for Jesus. But in a, in a moment of weakness, he messed up not one time, but three times. And when, they, when he had realized what he had done, the guilt set in. And you got to imagine, you, you, you just played a part. You were just involved, just walking with your best friend, and now he's taken to be beaten and crucified. To put yourself in Peter's shoes just for a moment, and his best friend, what he did, he had just denied knowing Jesus. Imagine you, you, that, that was your friend, and you put yourself in those shoes. You had just denied Jesus. He didn't have a chance to say he was sorry. He didn't have a chance to go back and make things right. And, and you could just imagine the guilt that Peter was feeling. Just imagine that shame and that guilt that, G, that Peter wouldn't stand up for Jesus, that he wouldn't stand up for his friend. He actually denied even knowing him. And then he stood there and watched him die. And I bet there were a lot of moments where Peter felt like he failed God. Where he, where he, that, that weight was so heavy on his life. Maybe he even felt like that God was mad at him. And he didn't want him anymore. Wouldn't, I think a lot of us would probably feel that same way. So not long after Peter denying he knew Jesus, not long after that, Jesus was, was killed and beaten, or beaten and, and to, to the point where he didn't even look like a human being. And he was eventually killed and crucified and hung on a cross in the most brutal of ways. And then he was taken off the cross and he was put in a tomb and they thought he was buried and dead and gone. But he didn't stay there. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead, and he walked out of that tomb. Now here, we're going to fast forward a little bit. Once again, if you got your Bible, 
We're going to look in the, in, at John 21. We're going to fast forward a little bit, and we're going, to, we're going to actually start in, we're actually going to start in verse 1. It says this. Uh, well, actually, let me just tell you. So Jesus comes back from the dead. And he, the, all his disciples are gathered in a room together. And Jesus, and the doors were locked. And somehow Jesus just shows up in the room. Like how freaked out would you be in that moment? You're like, oh, guys, I feel so terrible. Jesus! Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if any of you guys scream Jesus when you get scared, but I do. My mom can say the name of Jesus faster than anybody I've ever heard. We've been in many almost car accidents, and she goes, geez, 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 geez. I'm like, how do you do that? But anyways, so they're in this room, and, and, and Jesus just shows up, and all the disciples are there. And you got to imagine, listen, you got to imagine that, that Peter is there in the back of the room, and he's still feeling that shame, and he's still feeling that guilt. And, and Jesus shows up, and, and he, he talks to his disciples. He spends a little bit of time with them, and then he's gone. And then once again, like a few days later, uh, well, actually, Thomas was missing that first time. And then the second time, Peter shows back again, and Thomas is in the room, and, and Jesus shows back up again. And, um, and you got to imagine Peter is in the room again, and he sees Jesus. He sees the, his best friend. He sees the person that he loves so much, and he knows deep down in his heart what he did to Jesus, how he denied him how he said he didn't even know him. And you got to imagine, because it doesn't even record it in the Bible, he probably just sat in the back of the room saying, this is real, this is true. He did, he did say what he, he did came, come back from the dead like he said he would do. you got to imagine that he's, he's feeling that in the back of the room. And then all of a sudden it says this, uh, and so this, once again, uh, Jesus leaves the room, and, and then here's what's happened. And all the disciples, they're, they're like, they're probably bummed and pretty down and, and pretty out of it. Um, it says this. I want to I read this part. Uh, I'm just going to start at verse 4. It says, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. So here's what was happening. All the disciples, they're like, well, I don't know what to do now, so uh, let's go fishing. You know, how many is that? That's your answer, too. Like, yeah, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to go fishing. Yeah, maybe some of us. And, and so these, well, imagine some of these guys were actually professional fishermen before they started following Jesus. So they're like, hey, you know what? And Peter was one of those guys, too. And he's, So they were out fishing. And here's what happens. Um, 21 verse, verse uh, 4. Says this, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did, did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, He said, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. And you gotta imagine that they're way out in their boats, and Jesus is standing on the shore, and they, they can't really see who he is, but they're like yelling back and forth across the water. And they and and um so he said, uh, he Jesus said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And so they cast it, and now they were able to, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, He said to Peter, He of all people in the boat, I because I because if you know Peter in the scripture, if you know him, he's a loud mouth. 
Like he, he's the guy who's always yelling out stuff. He's the guy who's always making a fool of himself. But he, so he's standing there. He says to Peter, hey, that's Jesus. And he says to him in the boat, and I love this part because he says, um, he said, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, get this, he's way out in the water. It says that he put on his outer garment um, for he was uh, stripped for work and, they, and he threw himself into the sea. He was so excited He because he, a couple of times he just sat in the back of the room and he didn't respond and he didn't say anything. And then maybe the third time he said, if I see Jesus one more time, I'm going to do everything I can to get to him and talk to him. So he put on his outer garment. He threw himself in the water and he started swimming towards shore where Jesus was because he heard it, it was the Lord. And the other disciples, everyone else was like, oh, we'll just row the boat that way. But Peter's like, no, no, I'm getting in the water and I'm swimming. And, and they came dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land, but uh, about a hundred yards off. When they got to the land, they saw a charcoal fire, charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard, hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of you, uh, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because I think they knew. And, and they knew that it was the Lord, because that's what it says. Verse 13. Jesus came and took the bread, and he gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And I want you to catch this part. I want you to listen to this. Catch this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he called him out in front of everyone. He said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know I love you. And he said to him, he said, feed my lambs. And then verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend to my sheep. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, one more time, feed my sheep. So Jesus comes back to life, comes back from the grave. And Jesus seeks out Peter. Peter denied him three times and he goes and he seeks him out. And see, there, I want you to catch tonight, there's, some, there's significance in threes. There's significance in, in the three things here. And think about it, when Jesus was taken and to be tried and to be put on trial and to be killed, Peter was asked three times, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? And all three times, Peter was like, no, I never heard of him. I don't know this guy. I don't even know. Like, no, I don't know. I mean, it's like getting so mad. I don't know this guy. And he denied knowing Jesus. And now Jesus comes back and he faces Peter. Jesus could have been mad at him. Be like, dude, you left me hanging. You wouldn't even stand up for me. You said you would fight for me. You said you would never leave me. You said you would never let me die. You left me hanging. But in the scripture, it says that Jesus says three times, Peter, I don't care what you've done. 
I don't care who you are. I don't care, I don't care what's happened. I don't care what's taken place. But do you love me? And he asked Peter that three times. Do you love me? See, three times Peter denied Jesus, but Jesus came back and asked three times, do you love me? Jesus was essentially saying, Peter, I love you so much. And no matter how much guilt and how much shame that you feel, I want you to know that I love you so much. And, and I'm, I'm asking you because I love you so much. I'm asking you to reach my people. And show them the way that they are loved so much, just the way that I love you. See, Jesus isn't mad at Peter. Jesus essentially is saying to Peter, he's like, I want you. I want you. you. You've denied me. You've messed up. You've made mistakes. But I don't care about any of that because I love you so much. I want you. I love you and I want to do great things through you. So, you know, students on this journey with Jesus, you're going to face a lot of ups and downs. And there may be a lot of you in this room that you are down right now. Like there is there. Maybe there's no relationship. There's nothing going on. There's it's like you flatlined in your relationship with Jesus. And there may be people in this room right now that you're like, you know what? Me and Jesus couldn't be any closer right now. And we're at a great place. But in our relationships with the Lord, there's going to be a lot of, of, of mountaintops and there's going to be a lot of valleys. Following Jesus, you've got to know this tonight, that following Jesus is not easy. It's not just a walk in the park. And Jesus never told us it would be the easiest thing. He said we're going to have troubles. He said we're going to have struggles. And we should try to live the best we can for Christ. We should strive for the best. But remember that when we fall short, when we mess up, when we make mistakes, that he still loves us, that he still loves us. So here's two things real quick, and then I'm going to wrap up. We're going to have our fam time tonight. We're going to have some discussion tonight. And, and uh, here's two things, though, that two tips that I want to give you for these moments that we mess up and we get past, how we can get past the guilt and shame and help us to remember that God loves us and he still wants us. The first thing I want you to know is that it, when you mess up, when you make mistakes, is to how we can respond is prayer immediately. Is to pray immediately. When you mess up, the best thing that you can do is turn around and take it to God in prayer. Is turn around and, and spend some time with God and to speak with him. When we give it to God immediately, he covers it immediately. God is so good, and he shows us love by covering our mistakes with his grace. That's how so good he is. That's how wonderful he is. That's how great he is. And the second thing that I want you to know tonight is that when we mess up, when we make mistakes, is to, is, is to pray about it immediately and then to um, worship through it intentionally. I think a lot of times we're like, eh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to do that. I might, I might pray. But to find an intentional time, an intentional moment to worship through it. Worship has a way of sitting your heart straight. Worship does something to our minds and to our hearts, and it helps our emotions in the right place. And it's, it's, in, the, it's in the midst of worship where we experience God in a very real and intimate way. See, in the moment, you may not feel like it, 
But I want to encourage you to be intentional about it. Maybe you need to go to your room and lock yourself in the room and put your AirPods in if you win some here pretty soon and just lock yourself in your room and just find a moment intentionally to pray and to worship and to spend some time with Jesus. Be intentional about it. Force yourself to do it and see what happens and see what happens. I challenge you to see what happens. So we're just going to wrap up and we're just going to close out with a song, with a moment of worship. But I want to ask you tonight that maybe your response, maybe the way you need to respond tonight is you need someone to pray with you. Maybe you've got shame. Maybe you've got guilt. Maybe you've got things going on in your life that you're struggling with and you need someone to pray with you about it tonight. But but I want to I want to encourage you real quick. Listen real quick and then we're going to worship just for a moment. But God is is uh, telling you tonight that you don't have to hide that you don't have to live in that shame, that you don't have to continue to walk in that sin because because of what the gospel of Jesus Christ has already done for us, what he's done for us. And he's paid our he's paid our sins. He's covered our secrets, our sins and our mistakes. And and even knowing our mess-ups and our mistakes, he still calls us his friend. He still calls us his children. He still says that he loves us. And, and you can't live in freedom. And, and, and I want us to be a people who find freedom from our shame, freedom from our guilt. And you can't live in freedom as long as you're holding on to shame, as long as you're holding on to sin. And so tonight, you, you can have your, your secrets or you can have your freedom, but you can't have both. 